Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Memorial Day weekend, 2019. It's a month after my meeting with Erica. Tristan Baudet has been dead for nearly a year. Anthony Raud has been in jail for seven months. And this is the weekend that State Parks thinks it's safe to open the campground again. From the time of Baudet's murder until Rauda's arrest, the authorities offered almost nothing to the public. No warnings little information. So people in Malibu were left to figure things out for themselves. There were a lot of creepy similarities among the near misses and the murder. But publicly, the cops kept repeating the same old story. Not related. At least nothing they would share. But then, after Rauda's arrest, that changed. The crimes were all related. And not just that, one person had done them all. Was that even possible? I need to walk around the campground, see it for myself. So tonight, on the grand reopening weekend, I'll be camping out. Turning off the canyon road, there's a long entrance road leading to a little guard shack. The park employees take your money and give you your parking pass. The two people working seem skittish. Are they nervous about something? I park by Site 49. That's where Scott McCurdy, Tristan's brother-in-law, camped. That's where I'm staying tonight. It's right next to Site 51, where Tristan Baudet was murdered. I'm trying not to get creeped out. The campground is basically deserted. Empty campsite after empty campsite. It's a little eerie.
There is a young couple here. They're celebrating their second wedding anniversary. We were just driving up to go camping, and we were planning to actually go to Los Padres National Forest, Mm -hmm. but uh, we're noobs at the camping game and did not reserve like six months in advance like everyone else did, so we called. They decided to try Malibu Creek State Park. So we just popped on in, and there was like a line of, you know, cars coming in, but we said, like, we're like, oh, for sure it's packed, you know? And so we pulled up, and they're like, nope, there's there's still some spots available, and then we come, and there's like no one here. So then it was just another, like, the one other camper here at, like, 11 a.m. this morning was just like, like, oh, you know, because we were asking if they knew of any hikes. And he's like, you know, check this hike out, this hike out. But don't be scared about the murder. And yeah. we were just like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah. And we were like, what? are you the murderer? Like, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my gosh. So, but, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm freaked out. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. maybe we'll leave tonight. <laughs> Walking around, I noticed one of those interpretive signs you often see in state parks. Animals of the night, it says. While campers sleep, the park belongs to the animals. Can you hear the howl of a coyote, the scratch-scratch of mice, or the hoot of an owl? As you walk through the park, your flashlight suddenly reflects the glowing eyes of an animal. The sign talks about bobcats, coyotes, raccoons, but doesn't say anything about mountain lions. Maybe they didn't want to start a panic. It starts getting dark, so I head back to Site 49. I pitch my tent in the meadow beside the fire pit. I light a fire and sit next to it while I eat my dinner, takeout from the grocery store. There's no one in Tristan's site, Site 51. That's strange. When I drove in, the park workers told me it was already reserved. I zip into my tent. I text home. I'm fine. But this feels weird. I have a sleepless night. Every noise feels too close. Rain falls. I'm sure I feel something brush up against my tent, the thin wall of my tent. I'm sure I hear footsteps approach and then recede. I'm so relieved when the sky lightens to gray. I open up my tent. It's before dawn, lightly drizzling, I noticed that the anniversary couple didn't make it through the night. And no one ever showed up to claim Site 51. I'm Dana Goodyear, and this is Lost Hills. Episode 4, Animals of the Night.
In the morning, I decide to explore a little more. The campground is the site of the murder and two of the near misses. Also, the place people are the most vulnerable. Gathered, sleeping, guards down. I mean, a part of being here is trying to understand this place that Rauda lived and this place that Tristan Baudet died. Tristan's tent might have been there just beyond the picnic table, or he might have been right here where I am. But I wondered if his... I wondered where his door was, I guess. I study the map. Site 49, where I am. Site 51, where Tristan was. Then the road curves around the meadow. 54, 55, 58. 58. That's where near-miss number two happened. It was November 9th, 2016, 3.30 a.m. A man named Ron Carson was lying in bed when he says his camper was rocked by an explosion. He later testified that it, quote, felt like a bomb went off. He wasn't hit, but when he turned on the light, he saw shotgun pellets stuck into the wall, right next to where his head had been. Just across the road from Site 58 is Site 57, the location of another attack, near Miss Number 3, on January 7, 2017. A woman and her boyfriend were sleeping in the back of her car when they were awakened by a bang between 4 and 5 a.m. The next day, she found a hole in her trunk. State Park's police recovered a metal shotgun slug. This is insane. These three crime scenes, the camper, the car, and Baudet's tent, are just a couple hundred feet apart. These shootings happened in a tight cluster, in the same corner of the campground, where a footpath disappears into the woods. I follow it. It's overgrown with wild mustard and little purple flowers. I'm kind of curious about this way, because this seems like, I mean, no one is out and about at 4 a.m., so anywhere would be a place you could go and be unobserved. The path heads north, toward the mountains. I know that somewhere out there, two or three miles away, beyond Mulholland Highway, in a remote and seldom-traveled part of the park, is where Anthony Rauta lived. It's where he was arrested. And it's not that far. There are only a couple hundred homeless people in Malibu. And they fall into distinct categories. There are the beach dwellers, a lot of them living in RVs along Pacific Coast Highway. There are the mountain men, homesteader loner types like Rauda, who live up in the hills. And there are the town folk, who congregate in and around the library and shops. Yeah, we'll go, um, let's just check over here by the library and we can park, and then we can walk into Legacy. I'm tagging along with the Sheriff Department's homeless outreach team. These deputies make regular welfare checks to the camps scattered around Malibu. I'm hoping that they might have run into Rauda at some point. We're across from the library in Legacy Park, right behind the ultra-high-end Malibu Country Mart shopping center. This is a spot where a lot of homeless people gather. One of the deputies shows me an app they use to keep a record of everyone they make contact with. 
This is everyone I've spoken to in the last two years. Ozzy, Anthony Rauta's dad, told me that his son had a library card, that he hung out at libraries a lot, in spite of being a mountain man. I take a deep breath. Would you be able to check that database for someone for me? To find out if they've received homeless services and... So, yes, absolutely, I can check it. Okay, what's the name? Last name first? Or La- uh, first name first. Anthony? Okay. Rauda, R-A-U-D-A. Did I spell it right? You did it right. Okay. Um, it's good when I'm going to scroll up, but it'll yeah. say, did not find, did not match any client. Okay. Disappointing, but not surprising. Rauda seems like the kind of person who would have avoided this kind of contact at all costs. But then, just as we're about to leave, a man named Josh Crawford walks up to me. Hey, my name is Josh. He is male. How you doing? He used to camp here. Now he sleeps in a car. The cops tell me that he actually volunteered to help fight the Woolsey Fire. I used to sleep over there in the park, man, and, uh, you know, kind of giving up on life some, you know. But I'm curious how he ended up out here. Turns out, it's the energy. It's so beautiful. You know, Malibu is... Like I say, that's the reason people come here, because it's an energy here. It's a, you know, nobody wants to leave. It's like we'd rather sleep on the ground here than in an apartment in hell. You hear me? I'd rather sleep on the ground here around this good energy. How, how do you describe the community of people living in tents and sleeping rough and homeless around Malibu. Is it a welcoming community? Is it tight-knit? Is it a lot of loners? What's the vibe? Um, it's all above. It's tight-knit. It's a lot of loners. It's You got your junkies. You got your alcoholics. You got your people that's depressed. You got people that have lost their kids, made them lose their mind. You know, it's a lot of reason people end up out of here on a psychological level. Can I ask you about a a specific person if you ever heard mm-hmm. of somebody living in Malibu. I pull up a picture of Rauta on my phone. There are only a few online. One from the day of his arrest, another one that looks like an old mugshot, and a few from his courtroom appearances, where he's in a restraint chair, wearing a blue jumpsuit and a spit mask. Now, not this picture, but that picture show looks kind of... So I think he used to come down and go to the library and... Mm-hmm, because... That's like a younger picture of him, I think, though. He's talking about the old mugshot, where Rauda has a defiant Old West outlaw look. Yeah, because it looks like this guy used to be with this uh, white lady that was also, you know, she was on the street. But he was a drinker, like, and, uh, yeah. I and remember. he had a girlfriend? I don't know about a girlfriend, but it was a white lady. He would be around every day, and he would be with her. But this was like a couple of years ago or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I kind of want to say he had a, he kept a good tar with him, too. Wasn't no hell of a player or no, but he had a good tar with them. You know, everybody would kind of be off of their rockers or whatever. But he used to say things like about him singing and stuff like that, because uh, he always had that good tar with him. A guitar? A lady friend? It's so tempting to think of this as Rauda, but I can't find anyone who'll confirm it. No one else I talked to in Malibu has ever laid eyes on him until the day of his capture. I'm trying to catch a shadow. Rauda's so hard to pin down, 
so hard to place anywhere when he's not firmly behind bars. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out. With BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash loss today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash lost. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. For months, I've been trying to get information from California State Parks, the government agency that runs Malibu Creek State Park. And for months, they've been totally stonewalling me. Hi, Dana. This is Gloria Sandoval from, the Cal- from California State Parks. Returning your phone call, unfortunately, due to the ongoing investigation, we can't make anybody available uh, for your interview at this time. But yeah. I asked for anything and everything. Crime data, staffing levels, staff lists, occupancy data, incident reports, anything that might shed even a little light on what happened. Months go by between my emails and calls and their responses. 
After a long wait, I do get some data from state parks, but it's incomplete and inconclusive. They tell me repeatedly, in every way you can think of, no. No, we will not explain what happened in Malibu Creek State Park between 2016 and 2018. The parks have their own police force. Those are the rangers, sworn peace officers, with badges and guns. They could have investigated the shootings. I know from talking to Sergeant Wright that at least one person fairly high up at the park knew they needed Lost Hills help. But what were they doing over there? It's impossible to find out. The only thing I do find out, I learned from court. It's pretty damning. The tent that Tristan Baudet was killed in, the crime scene itself, it was never booked into evidence. It was never properly examined. It couldn't be. Because state parks threw it away. If the craziest thing I've learned about the park is that they left a campground open after there'd been multiple shootings there, then this is the second craziest thing. Someone was murdered in his tent in that same campground, and you throw it in the trash? No wonder no one wants to talk to me. The only thing I can do is keep going back to the park. One day, I join a walking tour, led by a former ranger, to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Planet of the Apes, which was filmed in Malibu Creek State Park. Many people refer to this as the jewel of Santa Monica Mountains because of the diversity. That's of the land. how desperate I am. It's roughly a three-mile round trip. Uh, from here, we will just go up the road a little bit to see our first uh, scene location. Then we'll come back and we'll head down into the heart of the park. It's a motley crew of film buffs and science fiction fans and people looking to fill a Sunday with a hike in Malibu Creek State Park. We're about 30 minutes in when someone brings up the Baudette murder. Oh, I, oh, that was in the campground. Unsurprisingly, the ranger doesn't want to talk about it. But I think it's possible they got the guy. Yeah, we, well, yeah. not until we've got the evidence, I guess. Uh. He does say that the killing has significantly depressed attendance at the park. And sifting through the data that state parks gave me, I've learned that the financial impact was significant. Revenue fell by 50 percent, a loss of $700,000 compared to the year before. Well, yes, about all. I mean, yeah. I'm not the park spokesman. No, you know, that's of course for sure. Not. I'm yeah. just, I don't know really any more than I read in the newspapers or, or hear on the news. And, he says he thinks the element of danger has been eliminated, but also that there's still a lot that hasn't been released. I don't know, but there was one day that the hills were covered with uh, you know, sheriff's deputies and they're just, you know, following all these various social trails. And I'm, felt, I'm sure this guy went off trail as well. Uh, so the more evidence, the better. That's, you know, how you prove a case. During the tour, I've been keeping my eye on one of the other hikers, a guy wearing camouflage and a Make America Great Again hat. He seems very interested in the murder talk. I introduce myself, and he tells me his name is Lou Johnson, and he's here with a boy named Hudson, his landlady's son. We just stopped going anywhere. He tells me that before the murder, he and Hudson spent their weekends hiking all over this area. That changed. Just the randomness of it was, was very troubling, I think, because it didn't matter. It's like if you were, if you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and a, moving in the wilderness, and this guy saw you, you know, you be in mortal danger there. And 
As we fill up our water bottles, he tells me that one day, as he was driving to work, he saw that the hills were swarming with deputies, collecting evidence from Rauda's campsite. One morning I came around one of the last hairpin curves there, and there were police cars, sheriff's cars everywhere, ranger cars. Some sheriffs, a group of sheriff deputies were coming up the road, and I said, hey, is this... uh, have to do with the investigation, wrapping it up. And uh, said, yeah, we're just up here, you know, doing cleanup and stuff like that. And, you know, and he said, yeah. A few years earlier, he tried to take Hudson hiking right yeah, there, in that exact spot. Started hiking up there. There were animal trails. And I remember remarking, wow, these are, he's really good with animal trails. And, and this was, the trail in the grass was pretty well trodden. I thought, oh, maybe some hikers go up here. Um, and it sort of follows a little canyon rise, and there's a lot of big oak trees there with big canopies. And I remember we sat up underneath one, and he was sort of, just sort of not, maybe he didn't feel good, I don't know what it was, but he just didn't want to hike. It was strange, Lou says, really out of character for Hudson. But he couldn't make him go on, so they turned back. And, you know, the thing that strikes me is now knowing that, you know, that was where Rauda's camp was, that that's kind of a scary thing. We could have, if we had gone hiking up in there, would he have felt threatened? You know, he was kind of hiding out. I read, you know, he just didn't like people. Who knows? We don't know. And, and it just was, now looking back, I was like, wow, that felt like a close call for us, safety-wise. And again, had we known that these other things had happened, at that time, we didn't know about, we'd never heard about any problems. And it just is kind it's not kind of frustrating, it's very frustrating, it's infuriating, because this transparency that these guys all take an oath for, and I support the police, I'm a real supporter of law enforcement and all that, but when they pull stuff like this that seems political or for whatever reason, it really pisses me off. Lou says the trail to Rauda's camp is not too far from where we are now. He can show me if I want to meet him out there. When the tour ends, we trade email addresses, and he tells me he'll be in touch. After my visits to the park, I keep thinking about Rauda, sleeping night after night in the wild. With his first letter, he enclosed a careful pencil drawing of two mountain lion cubs snuggling. I want to know more about his life outdoors. In his next letter, he writes, I was hardly ever scared. I did a lot of hiking, starving, and freezing. I seen little baby bears, foxes, bobcats, eagles. There's a spot on the Topanga Mountains where you can see the ocean. There's a spot on the Pacific Palisades where you can see to Paso Robles. Those words stop me cold. I just moved to the Palisades. But he couldn't know that. I've been using a different mailing address. It's right around that time I start having nightmares about Anthony Rauda. Thank <laughs> you.
Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member, FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to Musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. So like when I woke up, I, w- I woke up like, like almost you could imagine if an explosion went off by your head, <laughs> like really suddenly. And like, I don't really know why I woke up like that um, because there was no pain or anything. So like the bottom of me. This is Jimmy Rogers, near miss number one. He was attacked 20 months before Tristan Baudet was killed. He's agreed to meet up in this shady grove in Tapia Park, which is part of Malibu Creek State Park. So, like, I woke up, and then I was just like, what happened? And all I could hear was... Jimmy's a serious outdoorsman, a trained wildlife biologist who's worked for the Forest Service. He's telling me about the morning of November 3rd, 2016. He was sleeping in a hammock in the park. He was on a solo backpacking trip, trying to complete all 67 miles of the Backbone Trail in three days. Between 3 and 4 in the morning... He was startled awake. And then I felt something was on my arm or something was like clawing at my arm, which was my initial thought because my hammock was somewhat low to the ground. 
He tumbled out of his hammock, which had split in half. He stood there, listening, as his arm began to sting. His jacket was torn, and when he took it off, he saw holes in his arm, a lot of them. It looked like a small animal had been gnawing on him. Then I was like, well, if it was an animal, it had to have been rabbit or something. But I, I determined, like, any animal it could have been, whether it was a rabid coyote or fox or just dog or a skunk or anything, even a rat. Like, they're pretty easy to find, especially in this oak leaf litter, because they can't move very fast. And especially skunks He tells me that he ventured very carefully into the woods. So I walked without a light down there, because I really, it's really about hearing the sounds to me. I did hear one like that. It was just a one sudden movement in leaf litter. So it, was, it like could have been a very small animal moving its whole body, or it could have been a person moving a foot. So I stopped, and I just stared at where that sound was. I wanted to keep going, but I didn't, because I literally thought I don't want to get shot in the face. I kind of literally thought somebody was looking at me, and they probably, with that movement, were getting ready to do something. So I sat there for a couple minutes. I just said, I'm just going to pack up all my stuff and leave. He gathered up his stuff, walked out of the park and along the canyon road till his phone had a signal. He called his girlfriend and asked her to pick him up. She took one look at his open wound, dozens of tiny punctures, and drove him straight to the emergency room. For weeks afterward, he says, he tried to rationalize the experience. So just none of the scenarios I kept painting made any sense. I literally just started thinking about every single animal (laughs) that lives out here and could possibly live out here. And I kind of ended it on a crazy thought, and I literally determined it was vampire bats. Vampire bats. Because when they bite, they secrete this numbing sensation so you can't feel it, and then they lap your blood, and it seemed like a superficial wound. But then, one day, something unexpected happened. A round metal pellet fell out of his arm. Then another, and another. And it just uh, popped out, and it didn't feel like anything. And it was just a perfect shallow circle that it left. And then I found it, and it was metal. <laughs> you bite in your teeth, or you drop it on glass, and it goes ding, 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 ding. It's like, did my body just make that? I don't think so. And then, um, and then eventually, we we just a few of the wounds were still kind of open. So my girlfriend started like squeezing at it. She took that one out, and then we were like, all right, we need to get x-ray. And they found four, there were four more embedded in there, pretty deep. So then I went and got surgery. He hadn't been bitten by a rabid animal or by a vampire bat. He'd been shot, with bird shot, small shotgun pellets used to kill birds in flight. Jimmy shows me the scar. It's about three and a half inches across, on the underside of his right arm, between the elbow and the shoulder. It's a big, scary-looking wound. If you just look at the pattern on my arm, like it looks like they are pretty close, but it's hard to say. But within five feet is what the police officers actually told me was most likely. But the wound isn't even the most disturbing part. The most disturbing part is how Jimmy sleeps. How he was sleeping when he was shot, bundled up in his down jacket and sleeping bag, wrapped up in his hammock, with his right arm draped over his head. 
It seemed to Jimmy that the person who shot him was aiming for his head. After the pellets fell out of his arm, Jimmy went back to the park and tried to find someone to talk to, someone he could tell this bizarre story to, and maybe get answers. So I just came out here, and I was just looking around, and I found a state park employee and just told him what happened. And he told me that somebody's vehicle was shot with the same bird shot. Um, And so they were really concerned about it, and so he gave me the number for the sheriff. I tried to contact them a few times, but they pretty much never revealed much information. And so probably after like a couple emails and a couple phone calls, I just stopped. I asked Jimmy if he'll indulge me, go on a walk. I want to see how long it takes to get from where he was shot over to the campground. He's game. It's not far, but it takes us an hour on dusty trails through the foothills. At a run, 15 minutes, max. So, so we're going under a little sort of... Riparian area. We're in a riparian area. Excellent. From the campground, we walked to the entrance of the park, out onto the canyon road, where all those cars were shot, near Mrs. 4, 5, and 6. And while we walk, it hits me. How small this area really is. I just want to say one thing, because we may not be here again. Up and down this stretch of road is where the pre-dawn shootings at cars were concentrated. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. It seems so obvious. It's all right here. Jimmy's right. It is all right here. How could the sheriff's department and state parks not have seen that? How could they think or say they believed? These were isolated incidents. Why wouldn't they have warned the public? The authorities, Jimmy says, were pretty unhelpful throughout his ordeal. After taking his report, they never followed up. They didn't seem to care. But they did say something odd. Well, they didn't really tell me much because they said that um, you can actually kind of manufacture different weapons. So, like, the officer actually said they could have made something to fire this type of round. Like, even something really small that you just hit from the back. It could have been a handheld thing or anything. This is about the so-called missing shotgun, the gun that was used in near misses one through five, the gun that was fired at Jimmy while he slept in his hammock, the gun that has never been found. From what the cops told Jimmy, it sounds like that gun wasn't a gun at all. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, 
and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.